Welcome to VC for Stupid Idiots. We are your idiots, Marianne, Michelle, and Francesco from NomadicMinds.Capital. Here, we interview the best investors on the planet to learn their secrets and tell them a lot of bad jokes. Then, we use their knowledge to invest in emerging market startups. Because this is the most effective way to lift people out of poverty and make outstanding returns. If you want to see what we are investing in this week, please join us at nomadicminds.capital. Welcome to another episode of VC for Stupid Idiots, where we have our superstar guest, Dominic, and of course, you can guess what we are. Dominic, we are so happy to have you on our show here today. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you came to be where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, unfortunately, my, my, my path into VC is a little not orthodox. I started as a physicist. I graduated with a degree in physics and got into uh, software develop- development immediately. Uh, founded a company um, in Philadelphia, moved myself then to California, where we got roughly $150,000 in VC investment. And that was really sort of my first foray into entrepreneurship. So I was 21 years old, founded a company, uh, got into it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that company didn't really take off and just kind of continued in the entire a startup space as a software engineer first and the business development. Then I had the fortune of meeting one of the founders of Yahoo. And then I started working for his uh, venture capital fund, which is kind of a, it was a deep tech data driven kind of uh, venture capital fund. And what are you currently investing in? So with my current fund, we're in the same vein, really, we're investing in deep tech and data driven companies. Um, we're investing in, Series seed and Series A companies. So it's either very early stage, pre-revenue, uh, incredible technology, incredible founders. Typically, only two or three, you know, people working for the company, um, or it could be as mature as you know, twenty to twenty-five employees with roughly you know one and a half million dollars in, in revenue annually. So, so it's it's a little bit broad in that sense, um, but our primary focus is really Central and Eastern Europe, which is one of the fastest growing markets in Europe. And what is your thoughts on emerging markets? Emerging markets are great. I mean, it's it's funny because when you live in an emerging market at the time that it is emerging, it's kind of difficult to see where it's going to be in ten to fifteen years, and. I always tell people, or I always ask people, you know, because they always ask me, it's like, why would you ever want to leave California for, for Poland? And and then I ask them, well, you know, would you rather live, would you rather have been in China in the mid 90s as that market was growing really fast? Or would you rather be in China right now when it's basically completely developed? And obviously the answer is, well, I want to be there when there's the most amount of growth, because when you catch that wave, you can extract the most value out of that momentum from when the market is is becoming you know uh, developed um, but it's but the thing is it's very difficult to really see at the present moment in time that the, the trajectory in which that market is going um, you know Warsaw where I live uh, it half of the city is under construction and 
to be frank, when I moved here in 2018, um, the, there weren't many new buildings. Like the aura was still quite, you know, sort of like a typical communist, former communist country. Um, but, you know, as I've been here for the last three years and I've seen just the hyper development uh, of just this city, you can really see that growth in real time. But again, it's difficult to see where that growth will take the city, you know, in 10 to 15 years or the region in general. And so that's sort of the the difficulty of identifying or living in these emerging markets is that when you get there, it just seems sort of unimpressive at the mo at that moment in time, just like you see pictures of, of Shanghai in the mid 90s. But you know that in 10 to 15 years, it's going to be a, you know, a major metropolis with lots of value and lots of very exciting companies. Yes, absolutely. And um, well, Dominic, I, I'm sure that like being an investor and working with a VC, you have seen a lot of people in like a lot of founders pitching to you. So what would you say is the most common mistake that um, people make when they pitch their decks to you guys? Yeah, so number one would be, so I, working as a deep tech investor, obviously we invest in high technology and really impressive technology. And so there, you know, we do, we do want to see that the founders are focused on building strong tech. And so we invest in quantum computing, artificial intelligence. Uh, and one of the mistakes that they make is they focus too much on the technology and they forget the fact that they're running a business at the end of the day. Um, you know, they, you ha they have to figure out how to create a business or how to extract value out of that technology. And sometimes they're focused a little bit too much on the product and too much on the technology. And, and really, <clears throat> you know, I, we don't expect to see any revenue when we invest, uh, you know, at Series Seed. And at Series A sometimes too, especially if the technology is, is very impressive, like in quantum computing, there also may not be much revenue at that stage, but we want to see those founders really thinking about how they plan to commercialize the tech. And so that when they get to, let's say a series B or a series C round, um, they're already setting themselves up for, you know, realizing revenue. Cause at that point, that's what investors are looking for. Those, you know, late stage growth VCs. Yes, exactly. And um, so if you if you had a, a big whiteboard in front of you right now and you have to write like one piece of advice to founders, what would that piece of advice be? That they so from actually really for CEOs and CTOs alike, you have to be inspirational because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the tech is. If you as a founder are not inspirational and you cannot, you don't have that charisma, you're not going to be successful. And for the most part, charisma is something that can be learned, in my opinion. It's something in the, if you're, let's say, an introvert, like a, I myself, I'm, I'm an introvert, but I had to learn how to be extroverted over time because otherwise you just wouldn't, you won't be successful. And if you're starting a company, at the end of the day, you have this vision. And this vision is basically a benevolent lie. It's you're trying to convince a whole bunch of people that this vision that you have is going to become reality in two or three or four years. And the thing that's necessary is everybody get together and work on realizing this vision. And to, and you have to be an inspirational person in order to do that. And some ways and hacks and tips that I would recommend to entrepreneurs and founders. And it's actually the number one thing that I recommend to a lot of founders 
especially these engineering types that are kind of, you know, bland and they don't really have that uh, charisma just yet, is to take an acting class. Go and take an improv acting class and learn how to become more interesting and become entertaining. Because I can't tell you how many pitches I've sat through and if it's your fourth or your fifth or your sixth pitch that day and it's late in the afternoon and you're tired, you know, v VCs are, you know, at the end of the day, we're humans, right? We want to be entertained. And the best way for you to sell your ideas to entertain them. And if it's just bullet points and a monotonous tone, then it's a big turnoff. The tech could be great, but if you're not inspiring me, then at the end of the day, I don't know whether you're that person that can in, that, that can inspire a large group of people to help realize you know, this vision that you have. Exactly. So founders, please, please, please do not be boring. <laughs> be <Yeah>. inspirational. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, would you like, would you mind sharing where do you, where do your deal flow come from? My deal flow comes from really a lot of places. So because we do deep tech, we have an emphasis on building relationships with universities. Because at the end of the day, all of the most bleeding edge, state-of-the-art technology is being researched and developed at the university. So we have relationships from all the way from the UK into Eastern Europe with many different universities. We then try to connect those academics with CEO types, the CEOs that you know know how to commercialize a piece of technology because they've done it before. And we try to create those sort of marriages. So that's, that's the one thing. And the second way of deal flow is I enjoy creating content, whether it's videos, whether it's articles, tweets on Twitter, you know, you have to more or less signal to the market that you're a thought leader. And everybody says that they're a thought leader, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, how, how do you put that into practice? And so content is a great way of, of getting the word out there and also doing some just effectively, like I'll, I'll give you one example. I recently wrote an article about, about whether or not Poland is going to be this massive tech ecosystem in five to 10 years. I took a lot of data from Eurostat and I put it together and compiled this sort of story saying, you know, with, with all of these STEM graduates uh, here in Poland, that Poland is, you know, setting itself up for effectively becoming one of the largest tech ecosystems, given the fact that it has all these, this human capital. And nobody before me has gone through and done the work and actually acquired that data and put it into something like an article. So that's the second one. The third one, obviously, is relationships. So, you know, I know the VCs here in the in the community, but I also have, you know, a very tight community of VCs back in California where I spent, you know, eight years. So they'll bounce a couple of ideas off of me. You know, I'll look at them, I'll screen them, and I even send them deals as well. So really those three pillars is where I would get most of our deal flow. So Dominic, if you know more about us, we are famous for two things. We are known for two things. The first thing is uplifting emerging ecosystems through investments and bringing awareness. The second is really, really bad jokes. We did warn you and our listeners <laughs> are fully aware. So I, I do have to ask you, what did the grape say when you got stepped on? What did the grape say when he got stepped on? Uh, wine me. You're close. Nothing. He just let out a little wine. 
<laughs> but wine me is also good. <laughs> yes. So, um, Dominic, how do you make an egg roll? Egg roll. You push it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was going in that direction. Well, well done for thinking that way. <laughs> I had another joke about boxing, but I forgot the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dominic, um, could you like see any connections among all your successes, like any founder trade? Wait, wait a second. Before we go on to the next question, I have a bad joke. Can I? Can I do a bad joke? Yes, please. Okay. Why did the bike fall over? Why? Because it was too tired. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> well done. Okay, next question. <laughs> um, yeah, so can you see, like, is there, from your side, is there any connection among all your successes? Like any found, a, like a specific skill or trade that you have that you might have noticed? Hmm. I, in, you know what? I think uh, the the more appropriate way to phrase this question is: Can I see a connection amongst uh, my failures as opposed to successes? Because I think failure is a much stronger motivator than success. Because at the end of the day, the emotion that failure evokes is is very powerful, and I think it's very important especially early on in your career to make as many mistakes as humanly possible. But also you have to have a self-awareness around those mistakes. You know, for, for those of you that are in your early twenties, you know, failure is kind of a scary thing because when you're in your twenties, you kind of feel like you're on top of the world. You feel like you're invincible and there's an insecurity about failing and you don't want to engage in any kind of failures because then that also, you know, that, effectively validates those insecurities and it's a very uncomfortable feeling. So when you can actually get to those failures a lot quicker and analyze those failures and learn how to learn from those failures so that they can become successes in the long term, I think that's that's sort of where I think that question makes a lot more sense. It's kind of how do you analyze those failures and have you actually learned anything from those failures or do you continue continue on being insecure? Um, I feel like a, an important part of character growth is understanding your own failures and learning from them. Absolutely. I really like that. Yeah. And knowing what you know now, is there anything you would have done differently when you were first starting out? Yeah, I, I would have focused on my health a lot earlier on. Um, I, I only started really being serious about health and fitness and running uh, when I turned 30. So that was, you know, almost three years ago. And I, in my 20s, I was, you know, I, I, I dabbled in a little bit of going to the gym and whatnot, but it, it wasn't really, it was, it was useless at the end of the day. You know, going out to social events, drinking, partying, was doing way too much of that. And it turns out that it was just a massive waste of time. But then also when you, when you do all that and you're unhealthy, that you're, you're, you have an unhealthy mind. You have, you're more anxious, you're a little bit more depressed, you're, you're a little bit more moody and emotional. Um, but if you're you know, treating your body like a well-oiled machine, you're changing your spark plugs, you're changing your oil, uh, you can perform a lot better. When you sleep well, you have good you know, kind of sleep hygiene, you, you do a lot of cardiovascular exercise, but on top of that, you do a lot of strength training, uh, you, you limit the amount of alcohol that you consume. 
you can become a much more effective individual. You're more self-aware, uh, especially if you, you you meditate. You know, so it's also kind of mental fitness plus physical fitness. I really wish I got into that much much earlier, and that, that's kind of one of my regrets. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. I do think like personal well-being and being healthy is a is a big like a it's one of the most important things in a person's life to be able to create great successes. And um, saying that, we are reaching the end of our podcast for today. And with that, I would like to ask you three super fast questions, which I would like you to reply either in one sentence or with one word. Okay. Okay, cool. So, here we go. What would you say is the hottest industry right now? Artificial intelligence. Great. What advice would you give to other venture capitalists or angels to be successful? The hardest working VCs or angels will always be the most successful. Fantastic. And what country do you think we can expect massive growth from? Poland. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much, Dominique, for being on our podcast tonight. It was absolutely wonderful having you here. Yes. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Dominic. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you, everyone. Fantastic. Cheers. Bye-bye.